your Bibles, just get them ready. Um, we have, uh, we've done this series called Three-ish over the past couple weeks to uh, describe and understand the Trinity. So we have not planted ourselves in one scripture, uh, but we've had a multiplicity of scriptures. Um, and so if you're wondering, okay, what has been the base scripture of the series? Uh, we'll just say the Bible. Uh, Genesis through, uh, through Revelation. Um, man, I should actually go tally up the amount of scriptures that we've hit just talking about this amazing thing called the Trinity. And uh, I just had a pastor talk to me last night. He goes, is, is it going okay? I'm like, I think so. Uh, it's getting there. And uh, I think we've just had an awesome time diving in. And what I've loved is some of your reactions. Well, all of your reactions. Uh, nothing negative about this here is just numbers of you just having just uh, a brand new understanding of God and appreciation for who he is. Uh, appreciation for the scriptures and diving in. And, and numbers of you have sent me texts or even messages talking about as you're reading your scriptures, you're noticing the Trinity. You're noticing the Father, the Son, or the Holy Spirit, and you're highlighting, you're circling, you're making note of those things. So uh, I think that's incredible, and to me, that is a, a powerful, powerful byproduct. Um, if you're taking notes, um, the title of my message is just simply this. This isn't where I thought I'd be. <laughs> Sounds like marriage. Uh, this isn't where I thought I would be. So I just preached on marriage last night at a friend's church. Um, and so I've got marriage on the mind. But when I thought about the idea of this is not where I thought it would be, I, I went back to, you remember the days before GPS? I've got students. No. All right, when the internet first came out, we had this thing called MapQuest. Nobody's excited about MapQuest being mentioned. Because what, what we would have to do, well, pre-MapQuest, we had this thing called an atlas that we had to utilize. Anybody have one of those ginormous atlases that were, oh, look at that. Look at all of us. Some of you, I still use it. I refuse to go to the internet. They watch you. All right. I love my atlas. I had a youth leader that was like, that's what he lived by. Uh, but when it came time for like MapQuest, you would, you would type in your address or the address you're going to and where you were starting from. And you had to print off a turn by turn mapping out of where you're supposed to go. And I will remember when my, my wife and I, we needed a weekend away. And so just a day away and we couldn't afford a hotel, but our Assemblies of God camp over in Jackson, they gave two free nights and they, they just built this brand new hotel, two free nights to all credentialed ministers. And so we went there excited, but you gotta realize something, they built a hotel for campers, not for comfort. <laughs> so we're like, yeah, we want a twin bed. They take two little beds and they push them together with no strap to keep them together. And so, you, I, mean, I don't mind snuggling, but when the bed splits and you're snuggling because the bed is split, that's a different story. So we get there and we use MapQuest to get there. And then I, we use MapQuest because we needed, how many of you know, sometimes your wife just needs Target? It's not really a need, but it's a need, whatever that means. So we put in MapQuest, let's go to Target. And so we're following all the instructions and none of it looks right. And we end up between two farms in the middle of nowhere, staring 
not a store, not a human soul. There are barns, but there are no homes. And I refuse to listen to anybody else or to see signs because this is what MapQuest said. And all of a sudden you're following one thing and you end up in a spot and you're thinking, this is not where I intended to be. And I think sometimes our pursuit of God is that way. In fact, I remember in youth group at our winter camps, our winter retreats, I've had, I remember talking to teenagers and they're like, man, I don't want to get too close to God. Why? Because I don't know where he might take me. Like, what does that, what does that mean? Well, he might call me to Africa. I'm like, is that so bad? I don't know why they always picked Africa as the one place. Uh, like the world is our mission field. Well, like I had, one, I had this one friend, she's like, God might call me to Zimbabwe. What the funny thing is, God called her to Zimbabwe. That was amazing. <laughs> this is awesome. But I can't get close to God because he might pull me out of my comfort zone and take me to the place that I might not want to go. But the reality is, is anywhere God has ever sent me, I've understood that that's really where I needed to be and it's really truly where I wanted to be because to be in the center of who God is is to be in the center of God's will and wherever God takes you, God always provides and God is always there for you. And there are many times God leads you down a path, especially when we're trying to understand him, where you'll step back and say, this is not where I thought I would be because when you begin to walk closer to the Lord and the closer you get to Jesus, sometimes your theology is in danger. No amens on that one. Awesome. Sometimes your church upbringing is in danger. Why do I say that? Because there are times that we approach God with our theology, expecting him to follow what we believe instead of stepping back and entering into who he is and allowing us to have a revelation of him so that what we believe doesn't dictate him, but he dictates what we believe. And sometimes we end up in spots where we said, I didn't know how I got here. I didn't expect to be in this place. I don't know where God's going to take me. And so today I want to end the series with a point that I really kind of skipped last week. And I skipped it for a reason because I think this is where I really wanted to end the series. The simple point that I want to arrive at is this. The point, to, the point is to know God so that we can participate in his love. That's the point of the series. The point is that we would know God so that we can participate in his love. And now I want you to understand that is a very general way of wording this because now some of you are like, so we participate so we can just sit back and just soak in his love. But I understand that we're not here just to get information, but we're here to be participators. God has not called you to be a spectator, but a participator. He's not called you to sit and gawk, but for you to see who he is and then to participate in his love. That means that wherever we go, we are participating in his love. When we see somebody that needs Jesus, we participate in his love. When we see somebody that's in need, we participate by helping to provide for that need. When we see somebody needs a hug, we give them a hug. Some, someone needs a high five, we give them a high five. Somebody needs justice, we help fight for justice. That we are to be a people that understand him so that we can carry on the main point. And the point is not our politics, the point is our savior. And it's to carry on the love of Jesus Christ to everybody that we would encounter. We are made in his image, we are declare his image, and we are to see people in his image so that we can participate in his love. And so... We've been explaining through this series this deeper understanding of the Trinity. So I've broken this down. What have we covered in this series? Number one, one God expressed in three 
distinct persons. The doctrine that we have taught this year, or this series, is one God existing eternally in three distinct persons, and all three are equally and simultaneously God. One God and three persons. In fact, let me, let me show you, this is a graphic that if you ever do a Google search of the Trinity, this graphic will come up. I call it the fidget spinner. You remember fidget spinners? They were hot for like 15 minutes. We do home visits and like, you know, parents are showing us the, the kids' rooms and all the, all the different rooms of the home. And we would always walk in and see a teenager's room and it's always a middle schooler and they had like eight fidget spinners. I'm like, how bad is your kid fidgeting that they need eight fidget spinners? Somebody bought me a fidget spinner, a Detroit Lions fidget spinner, uh, determining I needed something during the game to take my mind off of what was going on. My kids hated that, which is why I played with it all the time. That's just who I am. Dads do stuff like that. And this is something that somebody had created to see that God is one. The Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not the Father. But the Father is God. The Son is God. The Holy Spirit is God. One God expressed in three distinct persons. Uh, secondly, we understand that God is, yes, he's expressed in three distinct persons, but the three are equal but distinctly different. This does not create conflict, but it creates unity. That's something that I believe that we're going to talk about next week at our partnership summit on our Sunday morning, is that God has not called us to look like each other, but to love each other and engage with one another. I want unity, but I don't think that we need uniformity. It's okay for us to look different and, some, and at times act a little bit different because we can all agree on Jesus and yet ha sometimes have different convictions. Some of us in this room like certain types of music. Some of you like country music and you need to get saved. And there's other of you. Did I say that out loud? I'm kidding. Not really. We can all be diverse and different and that's an okay thing. As long as we can just unite um, there is one God, our God is one. That we believe in the Heavenly Father, we believe in the Son, we believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, that nobody comes to the Father except by Him. We can believe that the Bible is the inspired scriptures. We can believe in the work and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And we can still have diversity amongst our unity. And that is a good thing. You guys don't have to look like me or act like me, but you know what? You should like me. And why should like you? Because we're a body. And together we become the church in the body of Christ, reflecting the fact that we can all look at each other as equals underneath that Godship, the Lordship of Jesus Christ, but be distinctly different. Thirdly, there are roles and functions, and we covered that last week. There are roles and function of the Trinity. As much as the Father is God, the Son is God, and the Holy Spirit is God, they all have different, really seem like functional roles. And the hierarchy that we have amongst the Trinity is not for one to so and quote unquote Lord over the other, but there is a functionality to the way that they work and they delight to work with each other. God, the Father, delights to work with the Son, and the Son delights to work with the Spirit. The Spirit delights to highlight the Son. I love this, and I love the different roles as you look through the Scripture. One example, the Father initiates, let there be light. The Son declares, I am the light. And the Holy Spirit executes and helps bring things to light to all of us. I love watching the Trinity at work. And I promise you, the more you dig into the Scripture, the more you're going to see the functionality of the Godhead that is constantly at work through 66, 66 books of the scripture. Fourthly, 
The fact is we have direct access to all three. And that is huge. We have direct access to all three. We believe in the power of the Spirit of God. We believe in the providence of the Father. We believe in the person of Jesus Christ. And we don't have to pick or choose to decide one or the other. Like we've got to pick a favorite. People say, well, I like the Holy Spirit. He's my favorite because he lets me be chaotic. I'm like, I don't think you know the Holy Spirit. I like the Father because I like the harder authority. I'm like, I don't know if you understand the Father. You don't have to pick a favorite. But know this, we have access to the, to the Godhead. We have access to the Trinity. We don't have to pick and choose that we can call upon the name of the Lord. But all of this information should lead to transformation. My heart for Sunday mornings is not to fill you full of information. My heart is, is that whatever information we give you is to lead you to the place of transformation. Not because of what I've said, it's because the spirit of God that we believe should be at work, one of our values at this church, is we want a radical openness to God at all times that would simply present ourselves before the Lord that says, Lord, whatever you would speak to me, show me who you are. Like Moses in the book of Exodus, when he said, show me your glory. And God showed a, a, a portion of himself that revolutionized Moses so that when he came down from the mountain people looked at him and said he has met with God and I wonder if that's really the heart of revival for this area is that the people of God would have such an encounter with God the Father, the Son and the Spirit that wherever we would go that people would see something so distinct about us that they would say there has to be a true God because I know that person, I know their past I know what they've been up to but there's something distinctly different about them. They must have met with that changing ancient that I've heard about. They've met with Jesus. That's the heart of who we are, that we would engage with the person of Jesus to know him so that we can be participators in his love. So three things I just want to do as we wrap up our series. Three things, three words that you can simply write down. Write down the word recognition. What's our response to the Trinity? Number one, recognition. If you want to go more detailed, write down the word, take notice. Fundamentally, all we can do when it comes to the Trinity is recognize it. My friend Shane last night, he goes, how do you make the Trinity practical? I'm like, oh, we're doing it on Sundays. You want to make it practical? Take notice of the Trinity. It sounds so simple, but I think sometimes we've just... We can get so used to church experiences. We get so used to worship experiences. We get used to singing the songs on the screens, playing our little churchy duties, and then going back about our day. And we forget to just simply recognize who we've come to meet with. Some of you came to meet with some friends. Some of you came to meet a significant other. You showed up single and you're ready to mingle. I don't know. Some of you have shown up because this is just the thing you've done all of your life. You've shown up because this is just a spiritual habit. And that's all fine and good and there's nothing bad about that but I wonder if we can change the ethos of this place by us showing up to do one single thing we have come to recognize the goodness and the graciousness of God we've come to recognize the presence of God and I think the thing to fundamentally do when it comes to the Trinity is just look and to recognize that we are not come to serve just some weird nameless entity we're not come to, to just serve a simple doctrine we've come to lift up the name of the Lord the creator of heaven and earth Earth. And I want to get you to the place where you can come in and recognize that. 
Friends are great, community is important, but our most important thing is to do is the thing that brings us together. We've come not to entertain you with good music. And I'm telling you what, these guys are stinking amazing. Our worship team is amazing. They're talented. We've come here not to recognize talent. We're not here, come here to recognize Pastor Dave's straining voice that sounds like he's going through puberty all over again. We're not coming here to do any of that. We're coming here to recognize the Lord and to take notice of the work of the Lord. I'm telling you what, the young lady that spoke, I think her name was, is it Haley? Did I get it right? Is it Haley? Somebody correct me. Good, bad. Okay, I can't see with my readers. She literally just made me cry. We should just sit there and talk about, I know what other people said I am. I don't have to worry about that any longer. That's what happens when we recognize God. That's what happens when we recognize him. Because we don't have to see ourselves in light of what other people have said or the light that they've shined on our lives. People love to shine their spotlights, but I could stand in the spotlight of God and see who I look like in his sight, who I look like in his eyes, how I look like in his presence. And if you get a hold of that, you can take notice of that. If you take notice of how God sees you, you can stop taking notice on how other people have seen you. It's time to take notice and recognize it. And I recognize with the Trinity, I don't have presumed to have dealt with this subject exhaustively. I can't, I really don't think I've done an adequate job covering the Trinity. But we're here just to lay a foundation. I love what Solomon says in 1 Kings 8, 27. The heavens cannot declare or, or constrain, let me read it here. The, but God will indeed dwell on the earth. Behold, the heaven, the highest heaven cannot contain you. How much less with this house that I have built. He just literally built the temple. He built a house for God and he just lays it out. Listen, this won't do it. The world can't even do it because he recognizes the greatness and the goodness of who God is. We can't build anything to contain God. And we do not have enough hours in the day to articulate who he is, but we can take notice of God. We can open up the scriptures and take notice of God. We can take notice in what we're singing about. Every time we sing that the goodness follows after me, it literally just tears me up because I'm like, God, you are so good to me. Even when I don't feel it, we can take notice of how he works in our lives. And it's time for the people of God to start taking notice. It is easy to take notice of what's wrong with this world. And listen, I'm telling you, Christians remind me all the time, have you got some downers in the church? People just love to say, Pastor, I know you're saying God is good, but did you see what happened in our government? Did you see what's going on here? And I'm like, you know what? You need to see the goodness of God. You need to see how good God has been to you. You need to look at your eyes upon an empty tomb. God is good. I was at the empty tomb for the second time, and guess what? He still isn't there. I checked again just in case he fooled me. He's still not there. But we're here to see that God is always good. But for some of us, we don't take notice of the goodness of God because we only take notice when things don't go the way we wanted them. Or we only take notice when times are hard. Or we only take notice when something gets a hold of us or something didn't go the way that we truly wanted. But it's time for the people of God to get our eyes off of what we are seeing here and to lift up our eyes the way Jesus said. And he says, your redemption draws nigh soon. It's time for us to be a people that learn how just to simply recognize the presence of God. The Trinity calls us to recognize him. Wherever we go, work, school, a sports field, a shopping center, 
It's time for us to just recognize that God is good everywhere we go. That just because people aren't, aren't acting good doesn't mean that God isn't good. If you don't believe in that people don't act good, you've never shopped at Meyer. I spoke at a, con- a mini conference a week and a half ago. I'm like, why is all the angry people at Meyer or work for Meyer? And this lady raised, my hand, she raised her hand. She goes, I've worked at Meyer for 30 years. I'm like, oops. She goes, but you're right. We're all angry. I'm like, okay, good. We're, we're settled. It's time for the people of God to recognize the goodness of God so that we can emulate the goodness of God. A few things I wrote down before we get to the next point. Number one, I don't think people have rejected God as much as they have lacked awareness of God. I've had people say, this person just rejects God. I don't think people reject God. I just don't think that they've actually been aware or they just lack awareness. I pray for revival and a renewal for our city. And I don't think revival is a greater outpouring of God's presence as much as a greater awareness of God's presence around us. And that can shock some of our Pentecostal roots because we, we always talk about we want more of God, we want more of God, we want more of God. And I don't think we can ever have more of God than where he's at right now. He is here. I don't think we need more of God. God needs more of us. We need more awareness of his presence. Secondly, I think it's absurd to demand God to move in our dark, dark moments when we refuse to recognize him in the good seasons. We need to start recognizing God. And I think it's absolutely absurd that we demand God show up in the dark times, but when we have good moments, we refuse to recognize them. We gotta be a people that learn to recognize them in the good and in the bad. Why? Because we live out in the dark what we learned in the light. Man, I've watched people go through some of the darkest times and watch them come out in ways that I don't think that I could have ever done. And what is it that possesses a believer to come out of a dark moment, seems like more whole, seems like stronger than ever before? It's because they didn't decide to serve God just because the times were bad. They served God when the sun was shining. They served God when the weather was good. They served God when there was plenty in the bank account so that what they learned, in the, they lived in the dark, they lived it out in the light so that when they begin to walk through the dark times, they knew of the faithfulness of God and they didn't doubt it once when they were in that place. We live out in the dark what we learned in the light. So we've got recognition and secondly, I've got to wrap this sucker up. Secondly, we have adoration. Write down the word adoration. Recognition, adoration. I meant that because I like the rhyme stuff. Recognition, adoration. We as the people of God, let me back up. We as human beings, we become what we, beho- what we behold. We literally become what we behold. If we behold, if our job is what we serve, that's all we're gonna become like. Because to be so busy providing that we actually didn't provide what we needed to provide. We become what we behold. The presence that we center our lives around is the thing that we practice. And the Trinity is God's self-disclosure to us. See, God is not a dry formal doctrine is, that's just to be intellectually observed. I'm not against intellect, but God is someone to be engaged with and worshiped with. Yes, I do want understanding. I do want teaching. And I love having our classes on Wednesday night and getting some training to get deeper because I believe in intellect, it's important. But God is to be engaged with and worshiped. And and it's got to be more than what we do here on Sundays because as outstanding as this worship team is, that's not the end all or worship. And that's why we say that worship isn't just the songs we sing. It is about the life we live. I know what you worship by what your life revolves around. 
Worship is more than how we sing. It's more than what we sing on Sundays. And, and we've got great songs. I can get you great playlists. I can get you great worship albums to listen to in the car. That's what we jam to in our car. That's what I listen to when I'm preparing sermons. But I want you to understand that we have to see our lives as an act of adoration toward the one that we lean upon. And it's gotta be more than just songs in our mouth. It's gotta be about our heart. Pastor Herbert Cooper says this, when I worship, I would rather my heart be without words than my words be without heart. Worship is a heart issue. And when you leave here and you go to the restaurant, when you go to work, when you go to school, wherever you go and you're in the marketplace, we gotta be a people that have a heart of worship that chooses to live in such a way that says my life worships and exalts the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. This is who I am. It's a life of adoration. And so when we look at the Trinity and we study the Trinity and we read about the Trinity, when we sing about the Trinity, I want, and I, I want this idea that says, whatever God is, I want the full menu. Anybody been to Cheesecake Factory? That blessed Christian place, it's wonderful. Have you ever seen their menus? They're the size of an Encyclopedia Britannica. They'll give you a hernia carrying them around, those poor waitresses and waiters. But there's something that when you go through the Cheesecake Factory, what is so obscene about their menu is there's just too much. And when it comes to the Trinity, there is so much, but I'm telling you, I want it to be your goal that when you're walking, when you're walking in God's presence, having a goal when it comes to adoration, I want you to want the full menu of God. Don't walk into the Trinity just to worship Jesus. Go after the Father. If you've had a poor father growing up or maybe an absent father, and maybe you've been leery about worshiping God as Father, I'm gonna challenge you to press into that to actually understand the Father's heart for you. Some of you grew up thinking us Pentecostals are weird. You're kind of right at times. Some of you have been nervous about the Holy Spirit. He's creepy and he's, he's kooky. He's mysterious but spooky. <laughs> it's from that great Christian show, The Adams Family. <laughs> but I'm gonna challenge you to go into times of worship and just to call upon the Holy Spirit and to press in and say, I want the full menu. My dad has a quote he has said for years. And his quote is this, if you leave the table empty, it was your fault. It was a way he got us to eat our vegetables. <laughs> and whenever he invites people over, he'll say the same thing. If you leave the table empty, it's your fault. It is not my responsibility to feed you. It is not my responsibility to feed you. It is not my responsibility to feed you. I can't say that enough. It is never a pastor's responsibility to feed you. I am not conditioned to do that. But maybe if we learn to stop feeding upon the words of man and we begin to feed upon who God is. Maybe we would have less people bouncing around churches empty looking for humans to fill them and we can recognize God and begin to, to adore him. And Jesus said, is anybody hungry? Let them come unto me. They never said, is anybody hungry? Let them call up Pastor Dave. No, no. Is anybody's hungry? Let them come unto me and they will go out not hungry ever again. They will be filled. Blessed are the hungry and they shall be filled. Let's get to the place where we adore and we worship and let the nourishment of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and Spirit begin to nourish our spirits. 
I don't ever want to be the type of person that shows up to the opportunities that God gives me and I show up empty. I want to show up ready to pour out because worship isn't based on a circumstance. It's based upon who God is. So maybe we can start setting aside conditions. Well, I can't worship because it's work. I can't worship. Listen, I'm not asking you to start singing reckless love in the middle of your workplace. That could be weird. But we could practice the reckless love in our workplace and live a lifestyle that worships the Lord. We could talk about the goodness of God and sing about the goodness of God. And we can also live out the goodness of God and even tell somebody about the goodness of God maybe when they're in the hurting spot. Why? Because worship is more than a song. Thirdly, and I've got to wrap up. Worship band, I need you out here so I'll shut up. Worship band, please come. We've got recognition. We've got adoration. And lastly, we've got emulation. Ah, I love rhyming. Recognition, adoration, emulation. We should imitate what we see in the Trinity. We have said this now for three weeks in a row. We have to see ourselves as Imago Dei. What does Imago Dei mean? In the image of God. Jesus is the Imago Dei, but we are called to live in the Imago Dei. And not only are we called to emulate God, we are to see other people as Imago Dei as well. Because at the end of the day, the knowledge of the Trinity is a gift to us. It's a gift. And you and I get bombarded with attacks. We get bombarded with things. I had a a talk with a pastor a couple weeks ago and the church is making some amazing strides and all of a sudden he literally is getting contacted and threatened by community leaders that don't want, that does not want his local church to do anything in their community and he, he just feels discouraged. I'm here to tell you that anytime you're trying to attempt to do anything for God, you're going to be a target from the enemy. Don't be Don't be dismayed whenever the enemy comes in like a flood, the scripture says. Because the encouragement is, is anytime the enemy comes in, God can set up a standard. The scripture says that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Let me tell you something. It doesn't mean that weapons aren't formed. It just means that they can't prosper. We need to walk in a place where we can be fiercely emulating God. Because whenever there is an attack against us, God has given the gift of himself to us. We've been given a gift of the Father, a gift of the Son, a gift of the Spirit at work within us. And I think emulation can take on three forms. Number one, the word is unity. How can we emulate the presence of God, the Trinity? It's where we together can be unified as one body. Because when we look at the harmony amongst the Trinity, we should look at each other and say, how can we as the body of Christ be more in harmony with one another? We'll talk a little bit more about that more next week. It means after the service, instead of rushing out, meet somebody new. Or, hey, better yet, that person that you avoid on the other side of the worship center, go find them. Maybe apologize. Maybe ask for forgiveness. Begin to mend some relationships back together. Why would the world ever want to be a part of a church that's just as fractured as they are? And I think one of the greatest miracles that the world will ever see is a unified body of believers that will stop nitpicking each other, but can we can unite around worshiping and emulating Jesus Christ. Secondly, not just unity, but emulation looks like our expression. We can express a submission one to another, like the Trinity does, and yet a delight in submitting one to another, delighting in the roles that we have. I love the roles that people play in this church. 
from our youth leaders who are killing it. They're just doing amazing jobs. Our kids, our nursery, had somebody write me an email this week that says, I'm gonna volunteer more in the nursery so you're gonna see less of me on Sunday morning. I'm like, I'm not offended whatsoever. Those babies are precious and we don't babysit kids back there. We minister to kids. We sing over those children. We pray over them. But emulation means that we begin to express ourselves by finding a place to serve and living in such a way that expresses ourselves so that people have the atmosphere of Christ permeating from our lives. And lastly, we emulate by being on mission. What is our mission? Here at KFIRST, we make it simple for people to find and follow Jesus. We want to know God so that we can participate in his love by making it clear as day, this is who Jesus is. And this is how to follow him. That's our heart at this church. To be Imago Dei, to see others as Imago Dei, and to live in such a way that we can recognize, adore, and emulate. And that's just how we're gonna end the series. The worship team is gonna teach you a brand new song. And my challenge to you is this. Could we just start off by filling this place just full of recognition, recognizing the presence of God, recognizing the Father, recognizing the Son, recognizing the Spirit. And as we fill this place with recognition, could we move into a song? Well, I don't know the words, Pastor Dave. The words are on the screen. Pretend it's karaoke. You probably like some karaoke. Read, read and sing the words on the screen and enter into what you're singing and just go into this time of adoration and soak in the presence of God. And our goal is this, is that as you would feast on the presence of God and soak it in, that when we send you out from here, that we send you out like Moses, shining with the glory of God, so that wherever you go, you can participate in the love of Jesus Christ. And guess what? Whoever you encounter, they get to participate in the love of God, because he's in you. Let's stand.